this meeting tonight. Hallelujah. You're going to be amazed to see what's going to take place out of this meeting. And there may not be 5,000 people here. We have a nice crew here. But the Lord's going to work through those that are here, and some mighty things are going to take place in your life. Say, I'm ready to receive. Okay, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your word tonight, that you would unveil the scriptures, that by your Holy Spirit, your word would be illuminated, and that we can step into it, just like the word became flesh, that we could step into the word and experience these things ourselves. Now, Father, we thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Praise amen. God. Amen. By the way, this is my wife, Kelly, on the front row. Praise the Lord. She usually travels with me everywhere we go around the planet, and we've been having a wonderful time together as we have come from North Carolina. Anybody ever been to North Carolina? Wave your hand at me. I see uh, one, two hands. Praise the Lord. It's a beautiful state. A lot of green. A lot of green just like here in the UK, but maybe more green, a little more green in, in North Carolina. Praise God. Now look at verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 40. It says, in the 25th year of our captivity, also they're in captivity. That's not a good place to be, is it? Um, a lot of God's people right now, they, they love the Lord, and they're saved, they're all the way to heaven, but at the same time, there's a lot of captivity in their life. Don't raise your hand if that's you, amen. <laughs> but there are just a lot of God's people, they, behind the scenes, they can't quite live what they talk. And they know what they talk is true. They know the gospel power. They know God's plan. But the reality, there's many people that love the Lord in their private life, in their secret life. There's still things they're struggling with, still issues they're trying to overcome. I just want you to know that God's going to move his people on from that place. Amen. God's turning all captivity. And God sees these situations, and he sees that it's time for his people to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land. Because I'm here tonight to also tell you that your days of window shopping are over. Amen. When you just kind of look over at the promised land and you think, that would be nice. That would be nice to live in a house like that. Oh, wow, my family would love that. Uh, that would be nice to have experiences with God, like what Pastor Stephen talks about. But we're going from just kind of like talking about it to actually living it. Amen. Okay, so now this is for the world, for the unbelievers. This is what they need. They, they don't need any more uh, explanations. They really need demonstrations. And so for the unbeliever, the demonstrations, now remember, they're, they're lost, right? They don't understand spiritual stuff. So for the unbeliever to have demonstrations, it has to be something that they can in many ways see or, or behold or experience or encounter, okay? So God's going to manifest it, demonstrate it through you. See, Isaiah 60 says, the glory of the Lord shall be seen upon you, right? In the midst of darkness, the glory is going to get very, very brilliant on your life. With God doing great things in, in, in the Lord, in, his, in you, really to show off through you. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so we're going to be crossing over into the promised land. I think there's a lot of Christians shouting, I'm in, I'm in Canaan's land, but there's no proof, really. Uh, you don't really see the blessing, hallelujah. But God's going to begin to deliver his people. Say yes. yes. Hallelujah. The, the weak are going to 
become very, very strong. Mm. In the 25th year of our captivity, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, and the 14th year after the city was captured. Okay, so he's giving these dates. Ezekiel was really good about dates. Um, technically, uh, understand that Ezekiel, he was a prophet, we know that, but don't forget, he was also a priest. So he, he understood all kinds of stuff about the way the temple was to operate, the, the role of the priest and the Levites. He understands all of that. So really, this is the beginning of the day of Passover. And so that meant a lot to the Jews, even though they're in captivity. Trust me, they didn't forget how to celebrate, uh, you know, the Passover. Okay, so they're in Babylon, in captivity. So they're far away from Jerusalem. They don't have their temple. Their temple has been destroyed. But they still know this is a special day. God's going to turn their captivity. Uh, and he says, he says here that the city was captured on the very same day. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he took me there. Oh, this starts to get fun. Get ready. I believe many of you are going to step into this. Now he says, the hand of the Lord was on me. Anytime you see the reference in the Bible like the hand of the Lord, that's the spirit of God. Okay, that's the Spirit of God moving upon a man or woman to do something, okay? So the hand of the Lord comes upon Ezekiel, and it says, and he took me there. Ooh, I like that. Now, this really involves being translated in the Spirit. Now, I believe here, of course, he says he's translated in a vision. So he necessarily didn't get lifted up by his body and taken there. Although that has happened many times in the Bible, right? After all, we have Elijah the prophet who was taken alive into heaven, right? And Enoch was also translated into heaven alive. So there is this thing of translation. Even to the point where the king of Israel is looking all over the place for Elijah. He's in hiding for three and a half years. He finally pops out after three and a half years and he tells the king's servant, hey, I'm here. Uh, I've, been hiding, I've been hiding right underneath your nose the whole time. You never knew it. Uh, tell the king I'm showing myself today to him. And the servant says, oh, no, wait, there's no way I'm leaving here because you'll, you'll like disappear again. And the spirit of God will just lift you and take you somewhere and hide you. In other words, they knew that happened to him often. He's like, no, no, I'm going to stay here. I'll wait for the king to show up. And so he did. He stood there. You know the rest of the story. But there's translation in the spirit. Just like Philip, who, after he had baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, he was translated from one place to another place. Is that right? That's in your Bible, right? In the book of Acts. So he was actually translated physically 44 miles away to another city. And there's going to be more translation taking place. Now, it may begin with you being translated in the spirit, where he is going to be lifted from, from Babylon, from Iraq, and translated in a vision where he's actually seeing what's taking place in the last days over the nation of Israel. Hallelujah. Now, you'll see earlier in the book, he was also translated in Ezekiel chapter 8, and he saw how the glory of God was lifted off of the nation of Israel. He saw that. He was there watching that. And the Lord wants to be able to use you because, hear me now, there are some countries you can't travel to today and preach the gospel. If you do, you're going to get stoned probably within 30 minutes. Or you're going to get locked up and you'll disappear and we'll never hear from you again. It's not safe to go to those countries. But you can go there by being translated 
do what you're supposed to do, and then back you go. Praise God. Hallelujah. Funny story of one of one uh, man of God in Africa that when whenever the Holy Spirit wanted to translate him, the word of the Lord, the Lord would come to the prophet, to this man of God, and say, "Go to the airport, but don't take your passport. You won't need it." Just go to the airport, and when you get to the airport, go into the men's restroom, go into one of the stalls, close the door, lift up your hands, begin to worship me. And he would do that. And he would go uh, to the airport and uh, go into the bathroom, go to the stall, close the door, lift up his hands, start praising God, and then turn around, walk out of the stall, and be in the bathroom of a different country. And he'd go there and preach, and then when he's done with his assignment, go back to the bathroom and start praising the Lord again and turn back around walk back out of the stall. Now he's back in his home country and over and over and over. You know, now in America, uh, of course, we love Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. How many of you like a sister Gloria Copeland? She's a, a good teacher as well, very good teacher. And she talked about the pastor from Eastern Europe who for uh, many years uh, really followed that principle of what the Apostle Paul said, that although absent in the body, I observe your activity. I'm, I'm watching what's going on in the churches. I'm not there, but in the spirit, God's showing me what's taking place. And this one pastor in Eastern Europe, he uh, he would, he could he didn't have a vehicle, so he had all these churches underneath his apostolic covering, and so he would be taken there in person. He would preach there, and he would go from church to church to church by being translated by the Holy Spirit. In person, and he would preach there, not just watch what's going on, but he's there in person, being moved by the Spirit. But it all ended on one day. It all ended on one day. When the churches got together and they bought him a car. And the moment he got the car, the Holy Spirit stopped translating it. They said, they said he hated that car. <laughs> of people that 
uh, said, well, he came to me and talked to me and walked into my house and, you know, rang the doorbell and all kinds of stuff like that. Are you ready to go deeper with the Lord? See, sometimes we can just read these things and think that that's just Old Testament stuff. That's going on today. Hallelujah. One time, uh, Bob Jones and his wife, Bonnie, they asked me and Kelly to spend the day with them. And uh, I thought, well, this is fun. I want to meet Prophet Bob Jones. I've heard about this man. Here's, here's what was said about this man. He goes, to, he goes to heaven the way you go to the grocery store. They actually said he goes to heaven more often than you go to the grocery store. And, you know, you hear these things and you think, well, is it really true? <laughs> uh, the, the truth was further true than I even thought. It, when I spent time with him, I found out it was more true than what I, because he could just, he could go. He was so developed in his faith, he could go. Now, his, his socks wouldn't match his pants, but he could go to heaven. Hallelujah. Uh, his hair maybe was not cold, and he couldn't, couldn't talk very good. He wasn't educated. But in the spirit realm, he was extremely developed. And he was, he was going all over the place in the spirit realm. Woo, hallelujah. He's been in heaven now for four years. And people are still having encounters as he travels from, from heaven to earth to still visit people today. You still out there tonight? Here in the UK? Still hanging with me? Praise God. I'm just saying these, these things are your inheritance. Okay? Hallelujah. Mm. Let me give you a little insight. Um, starting off in ministry, me and, me and Kelly found ourselves greatly involved in what is known as Word of Faith. Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, and uh, also a, a very large ministerial alliance that was formed, and that was like a minister's association formed by Kenneth Hagin and many, Buddy Harrison and all those guys. And so we were involved in that, and we were serving in that, and uh, we, we love Word of Faith. Still do today. It's the foundation pretty much of who we are. But I found out that, that they were happy to let Brother Hagin prophesy, but outside of that, they just weren't too hip on the supernatural. They, 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 they loved it that Kenneth Hagin stood up and prophesied and all that. They let him do it. But many of them were very shy of the supernatural, and they just they kind of pulled back, and me and Kelly were like, well, this is getting awkward. Because I'm, I'm here in the meeting, trying to host a Word of Faith meeting, and I'm seeing an angel standing over there. I see an angel, and uh, they know, they know, they know, some of the leaders are like, oh, Brother Stephen, we, we don't really want to go into that. <laughs> well, let's just talk about faith and some more faith, and then let's talk about more faith, and let's not get into this. What? Well, can't you see that? You just said, oh, Brother Stephen, please, we're having such a nice meeting. And so I just realized that if I wanted to go further, I kind of have to let the Lord lead me. And while I still have friends with them, and even my pastor ended up becoming the president of that ministerial association, which was a worldwide, you know, a group of ministers, I, I knew that there were some other things God had for me. And so I had to kind of like keep paddling out further. But the more I paddled out there, the more I kept walking with the Lord, the Lord began connecting me with other ministers around the world that walked in the same anointing. That walk in the supernatural. And then I found out, hey, there, there's there's like many streams in the body of Christ. You know, like Joseph had the coat of many colors? Uh, think of it like this. Israel, the nation, you have how many tribes? You got 12 tribes, right? But there's still one nation. But you have these different streams within Christianity. And the Lord would lead me into these different streams. I would meet people. Uh, very deep people in the spirit. Sometimes I met people in the Catholic Church. 
that were very, very deep. I'm telling you, they run circles around most Pentecostals. Well, they belong in the Catholic Church, certainly. They can't even be saved. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I've met some people that had a heavy-duty walk, heavy walk in the Spirit, but yet they're Catholics. Praise God. Amen. Well, but you flow in the anointing that God has for you. Can you say yes? yes. Now, I want to share some things because when you begin to go over into the realm of the glory realm, and God begins to open your eyes, and you begin to have visions, supernatural encounters with angels or with the Lord himself, I need to tell you this. What you see is what you see. I have to help you because sometimes you'll see things and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Kind of like Ezekiel. He saw some of the most amazing stuff. You know, these creatures with uh, four different faces. These things are all very, very real. And so I want to prepare you for these things and uh, share some things with you because sometimes it may seem, how can we say, far out. But then you start studying the Word of God, you're like, oh, hold on a minute, that's in the Bible. And so there's much more for you to experience. Can you say yes? Yes. It's like flying over the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic. You look down and you think, that's a lot of water. And it is. But remember, that's just the top. There's also death. That's what God wants to take you into. Something's going to happen to you tonight. And there's an angel here tonight that I believe is going to release blessing. He's sent from Jesus tonight. I believe you're going to receive a blessing. Now, uh, verse 2. In the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel. Now say that. Say visions of God. Praise the Lord. It's time to have visions of God. This is your inheritance in Christ. These are things that the Lord wants you to experience. Very quickly, there's three types of visions. You have, uh, I want to let you in on a secret. Can I do that tonight? Yeah. Most prophets won't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this. Okay. There's three types of visions. The number one type of vision is called a spiritual vision. And it happens usually with your eyes closed. And your eyes are closed and you start seeing something on the image screen of your mind. Okay? Uh, that's called a spiritual vision. But did you know that even out of the world's leading prophets, if I were to start naming names of well-known prophets, because many of them I've talked to, that is still the number one type of vision even that they have. It's just a spiritual vision. Okay? Now there's other higher levels. The second type of vision would be called the trance. Remember the Apostle Peter, Acts chapter 10? He's on top of the house, and he's praying, and it says he fell into a trance. And then he goes on to talk about the vision that he saw. So a trance is a vision. Okay, a trance is when your physical senses are suspended. And when you go into a trance, you really don't even know what's going on with your body. All you know is like, hey, I'm in a different realm. I'm in a different world. This is, this is amazing. And you're not, you're not even really aware that, hey, maybe you're in your kitchen or you're in your bedroom on your knees praying, okay? You fall into a trance, okay? The times, I'd say probably 90% of the time where Jesus has allowed me to have trips to heaven, it's almost always been in a trance, okay? Get ready? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, number three, the highest level of a vision would be called an open vision. Okay? An open vision is when your natural eyes, just like right now, they're wide open, 
right? And you're seeing, okay? You also start seeing into the spirit realm at the same time. And that's when things get very exciting. That's when things get a lot of fun. And it's just like, you could even talk to the person next to you while you're like seeing, hey, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing, and you're seeing everything else in the natural too. Wow, praise the Lord. Now, remember in, in the Gospel of Matthew, I believe it's chapter 17, when Jesus took the three, Peter, James, John, they went up on top of the mountain and they had what's called the transfiguration experience. Jesus closed, lit up, super brilliant, and he, he's glorified. And they, they came down the mountain. They came down the mountain and Jesus said, tell the vision to no one at this time. So basically what he said is what you saw, there was a vision. That was a vision. What kind of a vision? An open vision. And Peter, James, John all saw it at the same time. We've had corporate prayer meetings at our church before where the whole prayer group has got caught up into the same open vision. And we're all seeing the same thing at the same time. One time we all got taken into, it was like an enemy camp where a trophy room was kept where, where demons, evil spirits were guarding things that had been stolen from the body of Christ. And we all walked into the room at the same time. One of the, one of the girls in the, uh, in the prayer group said, I see a spear. It's a, a spear and another saw like a Deborah's tambourine and all kinds of different things that uh, the enemy had taken from the church. Well, we took it right back, hallelujah. What you see is what you see. And you just go with whatever begins to open up. You step into it. Can you say yes? yes. Hallelujah. Mm. And you'll be surprised. All kinds of things might surprise you. And you'll, you'll, you'll start to realize, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, that was true. Can I, can I give you one? How about this one? Not all angels have long hair. Do you still want me in, in the UK tonight? Yes. Do you still accept me in the UK? You won't kick me out tonight. Does that break any tradition? Not all angels have long hair. I've met angels before with hair as black as a raven. Just beautiful black hair. Wow. There, there's an angel in, uh, in Arabian Falls that appears often on a certain mountain, and she always has red hair. Red hair. Don't think that's funny. Some of you might have red hair. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you could have red hair, certainly an angel could. But there's different things you see. Okay, I, I want to share this because of where we're going. So in the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel. Land of Israel. Set me on a very high mountain on it. Toward the south was something like the structure of a city. Okay, so he's going to see something that pertains, watch this, that pertains to his calling. He's a prophet and he's a priest. Oh, he's a priest. Well, he'd be the perfect person to show the future millennial temple to because he understands all of that stuff. So God's going to give him a vision of something that lines up with his career calling, that lines up with God's assignment for his life. Now, when you have a vision, when you have a supernatural experience, it's not just to tickle your toes. It's not so that you can tell your best friend the next day, guess what? I saw an angel and I grabbed a feather. Look. <laughs> Now, you, you may have that, that thrill, but I'm trying to tell you there's purpose. You have to look for the purpose. And you have, to, you have to also watch because usually in these type of encounters, there's what I would call prophetic meaning. Okay, you see an angel. Okay, what's he wearing? 
Why is he wearing that? Why is he wearing a robe of that color? All of these things have meanings. What's his name? Did you know that although Michael has a name and Gabriel has a name, it doesn't mean that all the others don't just because the names aren't mentioned? Do you ever stop to think about that? So uh, one theologian actually said the other angels don't have names because God only named Michael and Gabriel. So all the others are walking around heaven confused, bumping into each other. Excuse me, who are you? Well, I don't have a name. Well, who are you? Well, I don't have a name either. No, no. They all have names. It's not necessarily, it's not always necessary to know the name of an angel. But inquiring minds often want to know. And if you'll ask, oftentimes they'll tell you. And sometimes they've told me without even me asking. But other times I've just learned to ask. Why? Well, I just like to know who I'm talking to. <laughs> right? Just like you would. If you're talking for 30 or 40 minutes, eventually you'll stop now. Wait, wait a minute. What was your name? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, my goodness. All right. Let's continue on. So he, he's taken to the land of Israel on a very high mountain toward the south was something like the structure of a city. Now, what he's going to see is the future millennial temple. Now, very briefly, Moses built a tabernacle in the wilderness. You could maybe call it the tabernacle of Moses. And it was a portable, large, tent-like structure. Okay? But then later after that, a house was built by Solomon. David got the plans, got the blueprints. David raised the money, but his son Solomon built it. It was known as Solomon's Temple. But then that was destroyed later by the Babylonians. And then they came along in Zerubbabel's period and rebuilt it. You can read about that, of course, in your Bible in the book of Ezra. So you had Zerubbabel's Temple. Not as glorious as, uh, by, by, you know, not even closer to what Solomon built. But nevertheless, they did get another house of God erected. Now, later, Herod came along, cleared off Jeroboam's temple, kept the foundation, expanded greatly the foundation, and built what was known as Herod's temple. And that was the temple that Jesus went into during his, uh, during, during his day, during his time of ministry. But Herod's temple was destroyed in AD 70. The next temple that will be built, I'm not really too excited about it. In one way I am because it, it you know, it's an end time event. But the next temple that's going to be built is the temple actually that the Antichrist is going to walk into. And he'll eventually desecrate it and defile it and announce to the world that, that he's God. But that, that temple is only going to last for a very brief period. Then it will be destroyed. Then this temple that he's seen in the vision is going to be built and it will last for a thousand years. And that's often called by theologians the Millennial Temple. And that's going to be built in the land of Israel. Hallelujah. And so the following few chapters, if you or if you like numbers and measuring rods and stuff like that, that's your, that's your book, okay? And if you want to know what's going to go on in the millennium, what's going to look like, how big will it be, it tells you all of that over the next four chapters. Now, verse 3. He took me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. Now, this man is, maybe you could call him like a heavenly tour guide, while he also has a lot of architecture skill, okay? So it says that he had a line of flax, okay, that's measuring things that are long, and a measuring rod in his hand, that rod was about 11 feet tall, and he stood in the gateway, and in verse 4, he says, Son of man, look with your eyes, 
and humor your ears and fix your mind on everything I show you. Now remember, a vision has a purpose. And also remember this, a short pencil is better than a long memory. Write down your encounters. Write down your visions. If you have a, one of these experiences, write it down. Because there might be some things you don't understand about it, but six months later or a year later, you'll get revelation on it. Can you say yes? yes. So he's told to write it down and then to declare those things to the house of Israel. But did you ever look at verse 3? Look at the beginning of it. He took me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. This is a bronze so deep, you can't get it even in a tanning bed. Hallelujah. Ever seen those, uh, uh, ever seen some of the white people like myself, whatever reason, they want to get real tan, and they get so tan, they almost look like, hey, uh, you've been in the tanning bed a little too long. You're, you're looking, starting to look like you're a piece of bronze or metal or something like that. Well, I had a very interesting situation, but before I jump into it, uh, also, where's my bottle of water? There it is right there. Praise God. I'm going to get a little drink of water. Uh, sometimes, I just let you know, sometimes I get a little happy, I throw it on people. Uh, let me just open that up real quick. But I need a little water to drink here. I'll try to control myself unless I get too happy to start slinging water tonight. Sometimes I do that just to drive out the old spirit of religion. Uh, you know, uh, the flies don't like water, and religious spirits don't like to get limbered up and loose in the Holy Spirit. So sometimes the water's uh, just convert it to holy water real quick and start going in. I'll try to behave myself since uh, I'm trying to make a good impression uh, on my first night here with you in London. Okay, praise God. But one time I was praying, this was just a couple of years back, and I was in I was in Taiwan, and the the conference host had taken me to a, a rural area, uh, and there were people, uh, ministers that came from all over Southeast Asia to be in this meeting. It was a very high-charged, high-powered, spirit-filled meeting. Now, this is what's interesting, is that um, a lot of pastors came from, even from China, but technically, they're not allowed to go to a meeting like this because the government bans it. They're, they're very sneaky. What they'll do is they'll act like they're going on a tour. They'll actually go, go on a tour and uh, tour the, the island of Taiwan, but they'll disappear during the tour and they'll come to our meetings. And then when our meetings are over, they'll catch back up with the tour, and nobody ever knows they were gone. So you got to be very smart sometimes to get into the things of God. You've got to be hungry. And so I was in this meeting ministry. We were having really good meetings, and I, I went back to the hotel room to pray. And when I, I've been in prayer for a couple of hours. And when I was praying, I was on my knees just like this, and I was praying. And as I was worshiping the Lord... Uh, the glory of God came into the room. I mean, tremendous, weighty, weighty, heavy glory. Uh, that's what, you know, the word kabod, uh, referring to the glory, it means weighty. And a real heavy glory came into the room. And I went into a spiritual vision because my eyes were closed and I was praying. But I saw right before me this beam, this heavenly beam come down. And I could see his feet. And I saw something that I'd never seen in my life before. This was an angelic being, and the first thing I saw was his feet, and his feet were completely bronze. And I looked up, and I looked at, his, at this robe he was wearing, and his robe was bronze. His, uh, his hands were bronze. His face, ears, hair, everything was bronze. I, I thought, my goodness. 
and uh, this, this angel began to talk to me. And he said, he said, my name is Boaz, but there's a heavy, heavy glory as he was talking, a heavy presence of the Lord. He said, my name is Boaz, and I've come here to talk with you and share some things with you. He said, I am the angel that is in charge of releasing financial provision to ministers. How many, how many of you ministers say, come on, Pastor Stephen, talk to me. And he said, he said, I have 3,000 angels that work beneath my command. They'll do anything I tell them to do. Because we bring, we bring provision to ministers who have kingdom assignments. Now, this is why some ministers are, are frustrated in their calling. They wonder why is there lack of provision. And oftentimes it's because they're trying to get into things God never called them to do. So they try to get into projects God never ordained, and then they get into a struggle. Do you remember when Jesus sent the 12 and then he sent the 70? And they all came back real excited, real happy. Jesus, even demons have to come out of your name. And, you know, people are getting saved and healed and the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, and he asked him a question. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, when I sent you, catch that. When I sent you, did you lack anything? Now remember when he sent them, he, he said, you don't even have to take your wallet. You don't have to take your checkbook. Go. And he said, now, when I sent you, did you lack anything? All of them said, no. Then why, why are so many lacking today? God did, insist, God did not send them into that project. Now they've taken something on that God never told them to take on. Now they have a burden that God never created. And that's why oftentimes they have lack. But if you walk with the Lord and you go down that straight path he's got for you, he'll give you, he'll give you kingdom projects. Yeah. They give you big too. He'll give you assignments, but he'll send that provision because you're in the kingdom plan. Thank you, Lord. That's why Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. So if something's suppressing us in a wrong way, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, have I made a wrong turn? Or have I maybe embarked onto a journey you never told me to start? So we have to be very careful that we go with the leading of the Holy Spirit. So this angel talks with me. He said, I have been on the earth since the Bronze Age. Well, that's very fitting with your color. Um, but this angel had a very, very weighty glory, very weighty glory on him. And I want to talk a little bit tonight about the angels, God's provision for your life, and you going into the glory realm of seeing into that realm. Can you say yes? Now, go with me just for a moment to the book of Ruth, chapter 2. Say yes, Lord. As you're turning to Ruth, chapter 2, um, some theologians say that that bronze man, bronze angel was maybe a theophany or a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. I don't believe it was. I believe it was just a bronze angelic type being or bronze man as Ezekiel called him. The reason I say that is because bronze does not correlate to deity. Deity always correlates to gold. Okay, when you see God in Scripture and you see what symbolizes Him, look at the, the furniture in the tabernacle of Moses or the Temple of Solomon. You see the Ark of the Covenant overlaid with what? 
bronze? No, no, gold, right. Everything gold. The, the, uh, the candelabra, the, the, uh, the, the incense altar, everything is all gold. Okay, so gold corresponds to deity. Uh, silver always speaks of redemption, but bronze, when you see bronze, it's referring to judgment. Judgment. Oh, there's a lot we can say about that. I'll try to tie that in in just a moment. Uh, let's go to Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now, it says, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth. Say that, say, a man of great wealth. Of the family of Elimelech, his name was what? What was his name? His name was Boaz. Now, Boaz in the Hebrew can mean strength, but I want you to notice here that Boaz was a man of great wealth. I believe there is going to be angelic help released, particularly to the ministers, where Boaz donors are going to be assigned to you tonight. Watch out. Watch out. Hallelujah. Now, here's something that the angel told me in that visitation. That while, this is what he said to me, while you will have many donors, he said on special projects, all it takes is one Boaz donor. Okay. I remember that when years back, Robert Schuller in America was building the famous church building called the Crystal Cathedral. Even he knew, I'm not going to get the lift and the momentum I need on this massive multi-million dollar project until somebody comes forward with one big one. And one big offering hits it, then everybody else is going to want to jump on board. And that's exactly what happened. God sent him a bonus donor, and it brought in so much money that everybody else got excited. They said, well, we want in on that. And then before you knew it, the whole thing was paid off. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, in America, we have the largest Christian university in America. I actually think today it's the largest Christian university in the world. Liberty University, founded by Dr. Jerry Falwell. Um, but Dr. Falwell ran into a real problem in the mid-80s when there were some television scandals in America and the giving just cool dried up. And he said up until that point, they had paid everything off in debt. They were building dormitories debt-free, building administrative buildings debt-free, but when that money stopped flowing, he said we had to start borrowing. And they had to keep borrowing and borrowing, and they went into the... And, into debt to the tune of about $70 million. Actually, that was closer to like $100 million. And he almost had to shut the university down. They almost lost full accreditation, the debt, because nobody wants to accredit a university that, that much in debt is too unstable. And then if your university can't issue a diploma or something, nobody wants to go there. So he did a 40-day fast, and he got into the fast, and he said, Lord, I need money. The Lord said, I do not want to talk with you about money. You get your heart right with me. Because he got so involved also in politics, he's running all over the place, and he kind of drifted in his relationship from the Lord. So he fasted for 40 days with no food, came off the fast, and, you know, he was a chubby man. Uh, he came off the fast, and he ate for 21 days and gained all the weight back. He was all happy. But on, after 21 days, the Lord spoke to him and said, now I'm ready to talk with you about money. And he went right back into another 40-day fast. So uh, in about 100 days, he fasted 80 days out of that. Okay, so he came off the second 40-day fast, and although the Lord didn't say anything, he knew something was going to happen. And it was just a few days after that, a man walked onto his campus, a man who was a Boaz donor, and gave him a check for $50 million. 
And the, the angel Boaz told me that on the big projects, all you need is one Boaz donor. Now you'll have many others that want to get involved also so that they can sow and reap. They may need to participate. But on, on the big projects, there'll be the Boaz donor that turns it. And he said, he said, on those special projects, all you need is one. And he was basically saying, we're under the Lord's command. We can send them. We can send them to you. I came out of that encounter. I looked at my watch. Oh, I'm the next speaker. I've got to be up on the platform in five minutes. I grabbed my Bible. I grabbed my notes. I got lost in the spirit. And uh, uh, I, I'm like, like half drunk in the spirit. And I get my, my stuff. And I, I walk into the meeting. They take me to the meeting. They open up the doors to the meeting. And the speaker is finishing. I'm the next one up. And he's preaching under tremendous anointing. And he's, he's perspiring and he's pleading. Watch, he's pleading with the ministers. Ministers have come into this meeting from all over Southeast Asia, all over China, all over South Korea. They come from all over to receive impartation and take it back. And he's pleading with them. And I walk in, this is what I heard him saying. All you need is one Boaz. God tells me that all you need is one Boaz. That's all you need is one Boaz. Thank you. 
hallelujah. If you want God to make you a Boaz, this is for ladies also, hallelujah. Then God, God, can, God can just touch you and empower you. He, he says that in Isaiah 48, 17, that he'll, he'll teach you to profit. Deuteronomy 8, 18, he gives you the power to get wealth. He'll, he'll show you what to do. And you're, you're going to be giving in the most extraordinary ways. Those of you standing with your hands, a beautiful fragrance is coming through the room right now. Just came right through here. Uh, heavenly fragrance just boom, right through here. Father, you see every hand up. You see every heart open. Now, Lord, take them and turn them and make them into a Boaz, a person of great wealth. May they guard their integrity. May they guard their ethics. May they be people that, that are greatly humble. But Father God, give them tremendous strength financially for your glory. Now, now watch this. The Lord's watching. Say, Lord, I'll use this wealth for your glory. I'll use this wealth to support your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Now just receive. Amen. You're marked by the Lord. Take your seat in the presence of the Lord. Glory, glory to the Lord tonight. We're going to talk some more about angelic visitations. Look at this just for a moment. As I just moved past, I want to move past uh, this and move into some other things. But Luke chapter 8, just for a moment, just show you something. I think you would find interesting. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Okay, so we've got twelve men full time on staff, right? Those men, uh, I believe all of them were married. And they had wives. They, they would have a wife. They would have children. So Jesus has to be the one where the provision is coming in to support his full time itinerant team. Verse 2, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who did what? Who provided for him from their substance. Okay, these three ladies were three of the biggest givers in the Lord's ministry. Did you ever notice that? You have, you have Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward. Okay, so she's working for royalty. She's, there's, a, there's very high paying jobs here. Okay, and they are providing for the Lord. He has full-time ministry. He has, he has full-time staff members now. And provision is pouring in. And don't forget, it says, and many others. Many others. Praise God. So God's going to empower you. God's going to be empowering you to help support these great kingdom projects that he assigns you to. You can't tackle all of them, but you can tackle the ones that your heart is pulled by. Can you say yes? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I want to mention a few things about leaning in and stepping into supernatural visions. Number one, how do you get into it? How does this room begin to open it up? I want to say this first of all. Don't think of experiencing visions as being something rare. You've got to get out of that mold of thinking like, well, maybe once every 10, year, 10 years I'll have some kind of a vision or something like that. We used to think the same thing about prophecy. Uh, and this is the way it was, particularly before God raised up Bishop Bill Hammond. Now, Bishop Bill Hammond has prophesied one-on-one -on -one to over 50,000 people. 
one-on-one -on -one prophesying. That, that, that takes a long time. That's why he's been in ministry for over 50 years. But you go back in time 50 years, here was the thought about how prophecy worked. Because back then, about the only thing going on in the church was tongues and interpretation of tongues. So the other gifts were very rarely caught for. And they thought that prophecy, you couldn't really prophesy over somebody unless you got yourself real worked up. Maybe fast for 40 days. And then, you know, climb Mount Carmel on your knuckles. And, and then, and then feel some kind of like, ooh, it's coming on me. Here it comes. Brother, let's take the Lord. Here it comes. And then you give this word, and then that's it for the next four years. You never prophesy again. We have to wait for the movement of the Spirit. If God doesn't move, we can't prophesy. That's not true. You can get prayed up. And you can you can get you can get yourself in the spirit, just pray and spend time with God, and you can get up and you can begin to exercise that gift of, of prophecy. And you may start off and you may say, Sister, I, the Lord shows me this, and before you know it, you start prophesying. And this is what happened to me because I was I was word of faith, and then God also threw me over into the prophetic pool. And I went to a church one time, and I, and, you know, I was beginning to flow in prophecy. Uh, you know, just praying over a few people, prophesying, and uh, uh, the pastor of the church said, uh, she, uh, she, she was a female pastor, she said, uh, she said, Brother Stephen, uh, you did a good job preaching, now go over to that room over there and prophesy over those people. I said, okay, I'm walking down the hallway, I think I'm going to open the door, there's like maybe like four people sitting there, I opened the door, and there's what, one room that had 50 people in it, then there was another room that had 200 people in it, and she meant, she meant go down the line and prophesy over every single person. Well, it took a while, but we got it. You know, they, they, they didn't care. I'm like, I got time if you got time. You're my buddy, and I'll get to you eventually. And that, that's how I got thrown, in, as they say, into the deep end of the pool. But I found out that you didn't just have, have some kind of sovereign moving. Because you will have sovereign movings at times. But if you wait only for that, you, you might have a lot of time in between that's just total downtime. So we found out that you can... Lean into it and step into it and you can open your heart to it and it's a lot more consistent than what you thought. Say yes. yes. Matter of fact, um, I saw Bishop Bill Hammond in uh, 2016 in the month of January. And before I saw him, two weeks before I saw him, I had, I had a talk with Jesus. He appeared to me in a vision and he stood before me face to face and talked with me about my ministry. And one of the things he told me, he said, you have completed Phase two of your ministry, you are now in the third phase of your ministry. Let me talk to you, uh, you ministers, just for a moment. Kenneth Hagin, the, uh, the great prophet of God, shared that when Jesus came to him one time in a vision, Jesus told Kenneth Hagin that every minister will have four phases of ministry in their life. Now, now watch this. This is amazing. Jesus told Kenneth Hagin in a vision, most ministers... Most live and die and never get out of the first phase of their ministry. Isn't that wild? That's amazing. But that's true. They just believe that they're not spiritual. They don't know how to, they don't pray. They don't follow that path that God has for them. And they just stay stuck on level one. And they never get past that. So every minister has four phases of ministry that you will work through uh, as you go throughout your life. And the Lord told me, he said, you have finished phase two of your ministry. You're now in the third phase of your ministry. Okay, so two weeks later, I'm in Washington, D.C., and Bishop Bill Hammond is there, and he's sitting at the table, and me and Kelly sit down next to him, 
I, I said, Bishop, I said, what's the word of the Lord? He said, you got your, you got your recorder on? I didn't just grab the phone and hit record. Because he's ready to go. Anytime. He doesn't, he doesn't need to say, well, let me go back to my room and pray for 30 minutes. And then I'll come back and see what I can work up for you. No, he's just like, he'll go anytime, any moment, day or night, it doesn't matter. Had, had his coffee or not, he's ready to go. And, and, and he says, here's the word of the Lord. He says, the Lord shows me that you have just completed phase two of your ministry and you're now in phase three of your ministry. And he's just, oh, starts prophesying, just, just cold turkey, just starts delivering the word. And I, he's telling me things the Lord told me face to face. He just, he's dialed in right on time. Woo, glory to God. Okay. I'm trying to tell you that. You can prophesy, but you see, you can also, you can lean into visions. You, you, there is a place with visions. You can develop your faith. And when you sense the spirit moving, you just go. You go. I'll go further. I'm going to throw it all at you. I get to leave in a few days. If you, if you, uh, if you like me, wonderful. If you like me, great. If not, you can just kind of sort it all out. Kind of I'm, I'm going to let you have it. How about that? Praise God. Amen. If you need things explained, here's your man to ask the questions right now. <laughs> okay, so let me go, let me go years back. Um, I was traveling one time, and me and my wife, we stopped off in a certain state uh, to visit some pastoral friends. They said, oh, good. They said, come hang out with us. There's a conference going on. And I wasn't speaking, so for me, it was just kick back the last time. And so after, after one of the speakers was done, we're in the back of the room, uh, you know, with the speakers relaxing. And uh, Prophet Bob Jones was there. How many of you have heard of him, by the way? Okay, so he's, he's there, and um, he's just kind of walking around. And uh, I, I walk by, and uh, he looks at me, and he says, uh, he said, you, he said, you, uh, he said, do you want to go to heaven? <laughs> and then, now, most people say, well, sure, but I die. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready to go. I, I said, yes. He, and he, he just, he just touched me. He touched me. He said, he said, go on up. <laughs> I didn't even know I'm saying go up. Go, go on up. That's what he said. And the moment he touched me, I went into a vision. And uh, now, spiritual vision, I just closed my eyes and boom, I went up. Because he said, go on up, and I did. I just, my spirit just went straight up. And, um, and he, he's asking me, he said, now what do you see? And, I, and I, I, walk, I said, well, I'm walking in heaven. I'm walking in the city. I said, I'm in the heavenly city, and I'm walking down the, the streets of gold. And he said, well, and he said, keep on walking. So I just kept walking. And then the path turned into a dirt path, and I went out into the country. And, um, uh, you know, the, the dirt roads in heaven, they're not touching your dirt. So you can walk on them, but your, your feet still stay clean. So I walked down that dirt path, and it goes out to the country. He said, he said where are you at? I said, I'm out the country. And he, he said, he said, okay. He said, now your ministry, he said, you're called to the nations. And he began to prophesy over me very, very accurately. And we, we've been running back and forth to the nations ever since then. But see, he can go up like that this whole time. All the time. Any day. Uh, and usually the, the truth was every day he was going on. See, we need to learn to live in the spirit. Not just, you know, like visit with the spirit. The other times we're in the flesh, bad mood, you know, uh, you know, grumpy or whatever it might be. We need to learn to live in the spirit. Praise God. Then you can respond. You can respond. The, I learned this also about uh, when Kelly and I first got married. This was back in 1996. I got around Prophet Chuck Flynn. And he was, he was the prophet that uh, the Full Gospel Business and Fellowship International, he was like their prophet. And he would be at all the big world conventions and stuff like that. And I got around uh, Chuck, and uh, 
I said, Chuck, I said, I said, would you give me a prophetic word? He said, sure. And uh, I said, well, you just got out of a big meeting. And uh, I said, do you need time to rest or get a break? He said, no, I'm ready to go. He said, I'm always ready to go. I said, you are? I said, how do you just like turn it off like that? He says, it's always stays on. You have to turn it off. Keep it on all the time. <laughs> and he just started prophesying over me. And I was like, well, who are these guys? What is this? Okay, but I found out you can begin to walk in it. So it's not some kind of rare occasion that happens once, maybe every 20 years. Mm. That's why I'm here. So I can impart this into you and get this activated in your life. Can you say yes? yes. And so those of you that are already flowing in it, you can just go deeper. That's the plan. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, let me, let me talk a little bit about it. I would call it a price tag. Don't get nervous. It's not like it's money. This is a, 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 a price tag. Um, really, this price tag hangs on anything else that you would want to purchase in the spirit realm. I would say that the price tag to move into this more deeply is exposure. Now watch this. Back home in the, in the county that I lived in, I still live there, um, I was asked to preach in the Baptist church. And I, I ministered in the Baptist church. The pastor got filled with the spirit. His wife got filled with the spirit. And he got healed of a, he had a, had a miracle back healing that God did for him. Uh, when I prayed for him. So some amazing things happened. But I talked with this wife. She was probably 38 years old. She was a 38-year-old woman. And she had never left the county that we lived in, in North Carolina, ever, her whole life. The county, you can drive outside of the county in 10 kilometers. She lived 10 kilometers from the county line. She never driven outside of the county. Had never been outside of the state, ever. She's almost 40 years old. What's that called? No exposure. And when you don't have exposure, you can't get into certain things. I said, bless your heart. I said, you haven't had much exposure to anything, have you? I said, what kind of job do you have? Do you have? She said, I, she said, I got this pitiful, low-paying job, you know, where, you know, the, the leading industry in our town is like a, uh, killing chickens for the chicken factory. It's a chicken factory, you know, so pays for all money, but just cut their heads off, put them on the hook, they go on down the line. So you don't have to have a lot of education. So anybody get a job killing chickens? She said, I just can't get a good job. I said, bless your heart, you've had no exposure to anything, high-paying job. I said, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. And so I, I prayed for her and uh, released a blessing over her, for her to get a really, really good job. And then two months later, the pastor called me. She said, uh, he said, Pastor Stephen, he said, you won't believe the job my wife got. She's making more money than I am. She's making more money than everybody in the church. And she got this job with a large telecommunications company that hired her. It was a new company that came into town, and they just began to expand and grow and begin to, took over the telecommunications for that area of the state, and uh, she's making, you know, like over $40 an hour to start off with, and then all these bonuses and benefits and stock benefits, and she just pulled into the money. Praise God. And see, God, God wants you to have exposure. So, how do you get into the exposure? You, you can do it one by books. You start getting books, and that's what I started doing. I want to get all the books I can on the people that have gone to heaven. What do they see? What, who do they talk to? Because it's different. I, I, I know uh, one uh, prophetess, she's an elderly lady. She travels to heaven often. But when she goes, she's always talking to a certain group of angels. I said, I've never met those kind of angels before. Uh, she said, well, who do you meet a lot? I said, I meet a lot of redeemed saints. She said, I've never been to talk to any of the redeemed saints. So everything's different. You, you bounce all of this off of each other. But that's what prophets do. We talk. 
What do you see? What do you talk? What, what happened? And you begin to uh, you begin to read about it. Now watch this. Watch out. Watch this. Oftentimes those things you study or really pursue with great spiritual hunger, you'll begin to meet those people. Wow, how about that? That one elderly lady who was a prophetess, she wrote a book. The book went around the world, and I read it. I read it over 20 years ago. I thought, ooh, 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 this so excites me. Ooh, she's going to heaven, and she's met the cherubim? Wow, she's met the four-faced cherubim? What kind of a person is this? read the book, read it over and over and over again, not having any clue that one day, not only would I meet her in person, I would go to her house, become friends with her, and that anytime I do conferences, she sends me white flowers. Wow. But see, see, this is a hunger God creates. He's already got a destiny planned out for you, and allow you to meet people in your selected career field. Hallelujah. Sometimes in these visions, he'll show you who you're going to be before you even meet them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So you say, I say exposure. Say, God, give me exposure. You're going to need a good, a good, vibrant, healthy prayer life. Praise the Lord. So you can be sensitive. You have to pray. Now, I do this, I actually, I do this often because I can sense it. Um, it reminds me of when the Lord told David, he said, now, when you go out to battle this time against, against this army, he said, don't go in this direction. He said, wait until you hear the rustling. There's going to be a sound in the top of the mulberry trees. And when you hear that sound, then you go out to battle. So, okay, what's that sound? It's, it's the angel at feeds, the angel army showing up. And then God's basically saying, when you hear them, then you go with them. Okay, so you, you move with the spirit. So sometimes I get around the person. I can hear that sound, and God showed me that he had an appointment for an angelic visit. Okay, so and I can usually tell when it's going to happen within about two weeks or something like that. And I, I'll tell them, get ready. Most of the time, people get ready, they'll, they'll catch that moment. But if you don't have a good prayer life, you could miss it. And uh, there's a friend of mine, I told him, uh, one of my church members, I, I said, you need to get ready. The Lord shows me within about two weeks, uh, there's going to be an angel that's going to come to you. It's going to show you something about your future. I really thank God wanted to show him something about the lady that he was supposed to marry. He was single. And uh, he said, okay, I'll, I'll be ready. But um, uh, one day I saw him about 10 days later, he was real sad. I said, what's wrong? He said, Pastor Stephen, I, I think I missed my visitation. I said, how, how could you miss it? It was going to be like a really big big thing. It would be real hard to miss. He goes, well, I came home from work, and uh, I got my mail, and I sat down. The moment I sat in my chair, my favorite chair, the moment I sat there, the presence of God, he said, came all over me. Just a soothing calm, like out of this world presence, unnormally strong, came all over me. And I looked, and I saw on top of my mail was a new watch magazine that just come in. And, you know, he, he, he really liked watches. And it was, it was a real nice magazine. It was even wrapped in plastic. And he said, Lord, uh, I really sense your presence, but uh, Lord, you, you don't mind if I look at that magazine. He took the plastic cover off and he said, Lord, just give me five minutes. And the, the five minutes turned into 40 minutes. And then he sat down after he finished reading it. And he said, Hold on, right, right. And he said, There was just nothing. This is flat, flatter than a pancake. No one already. He said, all right, all right, I'm ready. And we started getting nervous, but the Lord had left. The Lord doesn't wait on anybody. He's the king of kings. Yeah. We all bow to his schedule. And he walks in. And he basically means you 
you drop everything. And sometimes he'll test you. He'll come when you have your favorite thing going on. Be ready. He'll do it. He's doing it on purpose. He'll, he'll, he'll find out who's Lord. Pastor Stephen, Jesus is Lord. We'll find out. <laughs> he'll do it on purpose. Woo. Now, I'm not talking about something where, you know, you're driving a bus or flying an airplane. And you're like, okay, let me just let the plane fly. <laughs> no, he, 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 he's full of wisdom. But his timing, he does things like that on purpose. Praise God. Okay, now, when it happens, all you have to do is just lean into it. Close your eyes if that helps. Just lean into it. And just say, Lord, what's going on? Begin to worship. Lift your hands. Get it that real. It'll start opening up to you. Now, when it opens up, lean into it more. Okay? Totally ignore emails. Totally ignore text messaging. Totally just turn all that off and just go with it. Okay? Go with it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just, just for a moment, just close your eyes. Okay, right where you're sitting, just lean forward for a moment. Just lean forward. Okay, just practice. Just lean in. Woo, thank you. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. Just say, Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. Okay, and when you do that, that realm will just open up. Yes. It'll just open up. There's a glory right now. And just say, Lord. Tell him that. Just say, Lord. I'm so hungry for you. Just say, Lord, life is good. But I really want more of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands as a sign of surrender to the Lord. Okay, but, you know, some of you, just close your eyes here and begin to see color. The first time I was ever taken to heaven, the thing that still today stands out to me is the color of heaven. The colors around the throne room. I saw the color of orange, a color in a way I've never seen it before. The colors were alive. They were dancing. They actually started swirling around me like ribbons. They started playing with me. They were playful. I saw the most beautiful colors of orange. Orange represents the energy of God. I saw yellow representing the knowledge of God. Some of you will just begin to see colors. Hallelujah. Father, right now with hearts open, I just release the grace for impartation and for visitation. Angelic visitation, seeing into the realms of heaven, even those special times, Lord Jesus, when even you would visit your people. Thank you, Father. We take off the old garments the old ways of thinking, that this is maybe only for maybe few select prophets like Elijah or Moses. But God, we see that it's for the hungry. Now, Lord, right now, I release prophetic anointing upon your people. I thank you that what you've given to me, you said, I, you said that I have freely received and I can freely give. So the prophetic anointing that I'm walking, I release over your life now as a prophetic grace to see into the spirit realm. Receive in the name of Jesus. Something special is about to happen. Something special is about to happen. There's another gift the Lord wants me to release over your life right now. I'm going to release the grace to smell in the spirit realm. And fragrances are going to begin to come forward right now, the fragrances of heaven. 
many of you are going to begin to smell perfumes and flowers. So, Father, we worship you. We give you praise. Right now, the Lord Jesus is healing stomach problems. If you have a stomach problem, just put your hand on your stomach. Maybe indigestion. Maybe there's been an ulcer. Something wrong with your stomach. Maybe a cyst or problem there. Receive healing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is rebuking migraine headaches right now. If you have any kind of headache problems or depression, put your hand on your head. I rebuke it. Loose them now in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Lord sets you free and delivers your mind right now. And even as we're praying, that joy is coming over you right now. You felt that thing loose. You felt that thing go in the name of Jesus. Something heavy has been on your back. You've had worries about money. You've had worries about your marriage. And there has been a spirit of heaviness. And this thing is more than just natural problems. This is a spirit. And the Bible calls it a spirit of heaviness. And that is being taken off of you right now. I break it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit of heaviness looses off of you right now. And you go free in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Lord is removing the burdens and destroying the yokes. I break every yoke, every shackle in the name of the Lord Jesus. Loose the people of God. Your captivity comes now. You come out of Babylonian captivity now. You are in the promised land now. You are eating the grapes. You are eating the milk and the honey. You are coming into the good land. And the enemy's plans are canceled over your life and over your family and over your children. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah. It is a new hour and a new day. And you are going to begin to have patience and supernatural encounters.
Do we have any of those available tonight? If not, I believe there's something on the product table where you can do that as well. Praise the Lord. Are we have those here tonight? Susan's going to grab some. We'll pass those out in just a moment. Those of you that, that are just, you're burning you're in your heart. See, it says in the Word of God, God gives seed to the sower. I believe that as you give tonight, and I'm smelling fresh oil, and smelling fresh olive oil. You just got that? There's an anointing. Okay, watch this. Those of you that sow tonight, and sow what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, before the mark, mark, mark works, before the year is out, you will be empowered by God to give the largest offering you've ever given in your life. Watch. You're going to get, get so blessed that before the year is out, the ministry that God has attached your heart to, okay, you will be able to go to that ministry and sow the largest seed you've ever sown in your life. Okay, so tonight, sow towards that. Ministers, Boaz donor, okay, the rest of you, basically, just put this on your offering. Lord, make me a Boaz giver. Okay, make me a Boaz giver. Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to pass out some, some envelopes in just a moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Me and Kelly are very appreciative of your giving because it allows us to travel the world. We use so much of our own expenses, not the ministry's money, of our own money just to travel and preach and go all over the world just because we love doing it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So if you would like an envelope for your giving tonight, just raise your hand. The ushers will serve with one. But the fresh oil of the Spirit is here. Now, keep that in mind. You're sowing tonight. You're going to have a harvest come to you before the year is out. You're going to be able to give the largest seed you've ever sown before, before the year is out. Some of you, maybe the largest seed you've ever sown is 1,000 pounds. Before the year's out, you'll be able to give 10,000 pounds. You'll be able to take it and put it into the hands of the man or woman of God that God has connected you. Too. Let's take this for a moment to prepare your giving in the fresh oil. And please write that on your seat. For Boaz Donor and also for the, for the others, God make me a Boaz giver. This is this is anointed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Stretch your hands towards the giving. Heavenly Father, I smell the fresh oil of heaven. And your your anointing. Which is your spirit is all over this altar that's right. And so, Father, I set my faith, I set myself in faith with an agreement with your people tonight that because they have obeyed you and given tonight the way that they have, that before this year is out, they're going to be able to sow the largest seed they've ever sown in their life before into the ministry that you designated them towards. So, we thank you, Father God, for that. We thank you that you're making your people Boaz donors, and you are causing your ministers to receive Boaz donors to help them supernaturally with their projects. And we give you praise, so we thank you for this harvest coming back before this year is out. In the name of Jesus, we call it done. Amen. Amen. God bless you.